Hey, hey, you, stop what you're doing, especially if you're sabotaging yourself. One of the most important projects you'll ever work on is getting out of your own freaking way. And guess what? I've got someone to help you with that. Rachel Wilson Thibodeau, my little big sister, award-winning speaker, digital marketing consultant, author, brand strategist, and not to mention she's an expert at wearing high heels because she's kind of height-challenged, if you know what I mean. But on the flip side, she sounds taller than she really is. Okay, I digress. Welcome to the project. Get out of your own way podcast with Rachel Wilson Tipido. Hey, 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 hello, 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 and welcome back to Project Get Out Your Own Way podcast. Well, for some, welcome back. For others, welcome. You are in again for a treat. Absolutely a treat. This is Rachel Wilson Thibodeau, host of Project Get Out Your Own Way. And I have yet again a wonderful, very dope guest that I'm excited to share with you. Before we get into that, of course, I have to tell you, I, I know there are my entrepreneurs out there, my, my go-getters, my brand builders, my hustlers. There are a number of people looking to do amazing things looking to make some amazing things happen, who are hustling. And some of you know, my whole thing, my whole take on hustling is if we're going to hustle, let's hustle smarter. Let's hustle strategically. And I want to help you to do that with the Strategic Hustle Playbook. So you can grab the, the Strategic Hustle Playbook absolutely free. This is a, an amazing online resource. It's del delivered to you every week and to do that you can do that in either of two ways if you prefer to get it via text and if you are within the u.s you can simply text swag text the word swag dash shp to 77948 again you can text swag dash shp as in strategic hustle playbook to 77948, or you can get it via email by going to swagstrategy.com forward slash hustle strategy. Again, that is swagstrategy.com forward slash hustle strategy. All right. Okay. So, you guys, let's get into it. Hopefully you all are doing well out there. We we are still in well somewhat quarantine. This this pandemic is still upon us, and so uh, hopefully you're doing well out there, you and your families. Today joining me in the guest seat is none other than Miss Sherelle Webb. So Sherelle, I start off. Start off the questions with my guests with a really important question. This may be the most important question that I ask. So I just have to check in, you know, are, are you ready? I am ready. I am ready. Okay. All right. You say you were born ready, huh? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Stay ready. Okay. That, that's what I like to hear. All right. So here goes. Here goes. I just mentioned that, you know, we're, we're experiencing this, this pandemic. We're, we're still experiencing quarantine and, and all of that. So just tell us, Sherelle, it's, it's just you and me and, and maybe, you know, just a few other people. What has been your guilty pleasure 
during quarantine, whether food or something you watched on television? It would not be anything that I watched on television. I'm not a big TV person. Okay. But my guilty pleasure has got to be Lindor Truffles. I like the chocolate. I like the dark chocolate. I like the white chocolate. Matter of fact, they have a cookies and cream that is just to die for. So that has definitely been my, my guilty pleasure. And say, if someone will mail them to my house, I, I mean, I will owe you the world. I love them. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my goodness, we we oh we, you you my kind of. My kind of person with, with chocolate and Lindor. Oh, oh, my. Oh, yes. Okay. All right. I have a few of my own. And now, see, I may have to add that to <laughs> You have to you, try you the cookies and me. cream. Yes. It's yeah, awesome. you got me thinking because I, I didn't even know there was a cookies and cream. Neither I've had... did I. But guess what? This pandemic is just bring, bringing out the, you know, you're like, oh, what is this flavor? Let me try it. Oh, my goodness. Okay. All right. See, I told y'all this. It was a very important question. So some, <laughs> some, of, you, some of you needed to know that. Some of you need some <laughs> Lindor truffles, in, I mean, chocolate in your life, too. So, okay. <laughs> All right. So, oh, boy, Sherelle, you have an, an amazing story. And for those of you who do not know Sherelle, she is the founder of Coding with a Twist. She is a former science teacher turned entrepreneur, also an innovator. She, I mean, she has, I just, I love a good backstory. I say that often. Uh, I'm going to let her share more about her story and certainly her journey to what she's doing now with, with coding, with kids, and, and um, a lot of kids of color, uh, and just some of the other amazing things she's doing right now. Yes, well, thank you so much. Thank you again. So if I had to, to begin, I would definitely want to say to everyone that I have a very humble beginning um, of something that I have become very comfortable with is to share my personal story. And being a young lady who was adopted, adopted at two years old, um, adopted parents passed away when I was 13 and then when I was 15, and moving to Houston, I'm being raised by one of my sisters. 11 days after I graduated high school, I found myself on Jarvis Christian College campus in their part of their first year experience, um, attending Jarvis Christian College, graduating from Jarvis Christian College. Upon graduation, that same sister that I moved in with um, after that happened, she told me that she needed a science teacher because she was a principal. And I never saw myself as okay. a teacher or an educator inside of a classroom, but I often find myself tutoring. Like in the summertime, I would uh, be a contract and I would- And what did you major in in college? I majored in biology and chemistry. Okay, oh, okay, science biology, all the way, okay. Yeah, biology and chemistry because my original path was nursing. And gotcha. with German Christian College, they have a partnership with UT Tyler, University of Texas at Tyler, where then you do your prerequisites there, and then you transfer. And you know what? 
I am not no, any different from anyone else. I was ready to graduate. <laughs> and so oh, I yeah. transitioned to biology because it was a, it was almost the exact same degree plan. And so my major is biology, mine with chemistry. And so she told me that she needed a science teacher. And I told her, I did so okay. I said, okay. So I decided to go to Texas teacher, which is alternative certification program. And with the discretion of the principal, while I was going through the program, she hired me. So my very first year of teaching was at Cashmere High School. Okay. My first year, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade chemistry. And then I transitioned to middle school math, two years of middle school math, seventh grade to be exact. And then I landed where mm. I ultimately stayed, which was eighth grade science. And that's by far um, my favorite of the, of the three. My favorite was, high school, okay. was um, eighth grade science. And so uh, while I was in the classroom, though, maybe around the last two years been in the classroom, I just came overwhelmed with, you know, am I doing all I can do for my students? Now, okay. you know, I was a typical teacher to where I would bring my work home. I would listen to their stories that, that they have at home that I had no control over, but all I could do is encourage them and pour into them and pray over them. You know, mm -hmm. that's what my, consists of my daily routine. But on the flip side of that, you know, I had this vision of, or this, this thinking, am I doing everything that I can do as a teacher? Am I, am I doing everything that I can do to have them or help them overcome their surroundings? or their mm -hmm. environment, or their circumstances? Am I doing enough? And if because are I, we, and let me stop you. Are we talking, we're talking inner city school, right? We're talking 100% of free reduced lunch. We're talking about 100% of receiving um, free lunch. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. this is not 60, 70. Every, every one of our students receive free breakfast, lunch and mark my words dinner and you and some people said dinner i didn't even wow. know that yes so in the afternoon after school was over there were some cafeteria workers who stayed and they will serve our students dinner and mm -hmm. any any young person under the age of 18 could come inside our cafeteria and eat lunch so while their parents may be picking up the child from school they could actually go in our cafeteria and eat as long as they were under the age of 18. So okay. I, I also want to paint this picture for you as well. So before Harvey happened, you know how like you can drive around the city or on the news you see um, on the curbside where they have molded material or big piles of trash in the neighborhood yeah. as you're driving down? Yeah. Well, actually, this particular neighborhood was like that before Harvey happened. Before her, and she's referring to Hurricane Harvey in yes. Houston. It's yes, so that was the situation or the environment even before that happened. We had students who were uh, homeless, students who were living out of their cars. So my, my colleagues and I, we band together, and we will wash their clothes. Oh, my goodness. We each take a, a turn because, um, you know, there was a couple of students 
who were coming to our classroom and they did have an odor. But we were just thinking, well, maybe they just got out of the gym, you know, because they're not giving them a little yeah. You know, our middle not- of, is this middle or high school at this, this point? This is middle school. So these it's are middle school, school students. So, yeah, so it's not uncommon that they might well, it's not uncommon. We're just thinking, well, maybe, you know, maybe they just didn't want to take a shower because, you know, other people are there, mm-hmm. they're not comfortable. But, mm-hmm. be, but it, it was tend to be a trend that was happening. You're like, okay, they smell like this yesterday, but they didn't have gym today. Right. They had it yesterday. So what's up? So then we started investigating and found out that students were washing their clothes by hand in a sink, but didn't have, you know, any soap, any detergent, any you know, fabric sauce or any of that. So then right. we will then take turns of washing their clothes. So, oh, um, so I'm thinking this is the mind frame. I'm like, our students are dealing with adult situations being in middle school. And what can I do to help them get over that or overcome that? And mm-hmm. I knew that my Texas standard, it, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. So then I thought I am a professional development junkie. So I was 10 professional development. And I knew that what I learned, it did not can take it back to my students. So one day, um, I saw this professional development come through, given by Rice University, computational thinking, and I applied. But soon after I applied, I received a denial letter. Uh, you know, sorry, Miss Webb, you know, it's full. We, know, we have no room for you. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well, as good as I felt, even though I received the denial letter of not being able to go on, I went anyway because it was on a Saturday. And what I know about educators on a Saturday, if it's a full training from eight to four, somebody's not somebody's not going to show up. <laughs> and I was right. <laughs> so I went to okay, I went to Rice University, paid for parking, walked up to the room which they were holding this workshop, and get this, there were three empty spot on the sign-in sheet. So then, actually, one of those people that were not there, I knew them. They were actually um, a part of the admin team at my school, so I called her up. She was still in the bed because she answered the phone. She sounded like she was still asleep. And I asked her, I said, hey, um, are you coming to this workshop that you signed up for today? She said, girl, no, I forgot all about that thing. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and grab my linger and have a seat, and that's what I did. And so, mm-hmm. in the first 15, 20 minutes, they had us building our own game through code. I knew nothing about it. Mm-hmm. From just that initial engagement, it just skyrocketed my thinking, like my students need to be doing this. My students mm-hmm. need to be creating the games that they're playing. My students need to be the in- innovators and not just the consumers. How can I get my students out of their current environment? Well, you teach them how to do a skill that no one can take away from them, and then they will excel. So then that's yep. where my love for coding, robotics, and computer science was started, ignited, and the response from my students, that's why I'm still in it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I know mm-hmm. that it's not just a single thing, it's multiple things, but seeing them as the innovators, seeing them as the creators is what keeps me in this work. Wow, wow, and wow. Okay, so there was a lot there. And you guys, I really hope you don't miss (laughs) 
because Sherelle really just dropped a few gems, whether you realize it or not, she was telling a story, but there were some key things in there. So one thing that was not lost on me and what tells me that you are a proactive person, that you're, you're not even an average person, and I, I have a question about that, is you even asking the question, and also a very good teacher, because I've had, I've been blessed to have some really great teachers in my life, as many people have, and then, you know, I've had a few that were not so great, right. and I think you even asking the question as a teacher, but I think this says something, or probably says something about your character overall, is, is there more I can do? For these students is there more I can do to help them because so many people and it's not just teachers I don't want to beat up on teachers it, it can be a secretary it can be an accountant it could be a doctor so many people in what they do they don't ask that question they don't really care they are just performing a job to be paid and it stops there they're not really concerned about doing it better or having a bigger impact so I, that in itself says a lot. And then the fact, I'm just thinking, you still went to the workshop. I mean, most people would have, you know, when they saw that it, there was no more availability, they would have stopped there. They'd have been like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'll catch the next one, or I just, I guess I just missed out on that. No. So you, you still went. And, now, I, I'm curious, now, what would you have done if everybody – would have showed up if everyone if everyone would have showed up then i would have gladly you know i would actually ask if i could just sit in because if you're saying that there's not enough room i mean are you talking about the space are you talking mm -hmm. about the resources like what exactly are you saying that you have no more of that i can't participate mm, okay i i was wondering i was like well, okay well would you have just left or would you so you were pretty determined <laughs> to get into that workshop. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually didn't have a clue on really what it was about. I just knew that I wanted to be there. It was something mm -hmm. that was in the description that drawn me to that particular class, and I wanted to be there. And even if they yeah. told me that, well, you can't be here, but you have to sit there, then I would have done that too, probably. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay, so you, you go through this workshop and your mind is, is kind of blown and, and you're open to these possibilities with, with coding. Yes. Talk to us about, because I'm thinking, maybe I'm wrong, that there may have been a challenge, though, introducing this to your students. Because I can see, and again, I'm not, I'm not a teacher or don't have, I have some experience with kids and with teaching kids mm -hmm. not in the capacity of a teacher but mm -hmm. I'm just thinking at least some of the kids may have resisted that you know they may have been like well coding and what is that and that's not cool and I mean did, did you deal with any of that and if so how did you how did you kind of navigate that well first of all it's creating the, the type of environment that I created first of all from day one my students were lab coaches and they were in a science classroom. And so uh, from day one, I'm setting the tone that they are then set apart. Why? Because okay. only in the science classroom where you put on a lab coat, where you have this extra layer of clothing to identify mm -hmm. you, right? Mm -hmm. that, identity, that, that 
sets you apart from reading, from math, from social studies. So when you walk in this classroom, you then have a lab coat to put on. And so from there, that transition your thinking, and then you know that you are then in a professional environment. So that's okay. one. And I also okay. had resistance on that as well, but it was a it was something that was like a non-negotiable. It was non-negotiable, and then it became, oh, Miss Well, where's my lab coat? You know, or, you know, mm -hmm. it, it became that type of thing. And I knew someone that asked you, well, how did you know that? Like, what was there that you saw? Well, you know how we have this, um, this thing where young men are not pulling up their pants and we're seeing their underwear. Yeah, okay. And guess what? Mm -hmm. I have a student. I had several students who were like that, but guess what? When they put on their lab coat, they also pulled their pants up. The lab coat was mm -hmm. longer than, you know, where their uh, waistline was in right. it. But right. I also witnessed students, young men in particular, right, put their lab coats on. They're also pulling up their pants. And then they said that I worked at Walgreens because I guess they saw the pharmacy, you know, have the lab, the pharmacists have their lab coat on. And mm -hmm. he said that he worked at Walgreens. And at that time, I couldn't shed a tear because it was in the middle of class. But I wanted to because then mm -hmm. in my mind, he saw himself as being a contributor to society and mm -hmm. not relying on government. You understand that? And so yeah. that was like a yeah. breakthrough moment for me. It's like, you know what? Maybe they did push back and not want to wear the lab coat. But that was a breakthrough for me. So then I, after about a month or so, I didn't have to ask. It was just something that was understood because it was a part of my expectation. And mm. so the, the way that okay. I got computer science in, in, embedded into my curriculum, because I, what I didn't talk about is that I actually went up to my principal, right, on that Monday, because that was a Saturday. So I spent Sunday trying to figure out how am I going to infuse this in the lesson that I have coming up. Mm -hmm. Right, so I'm putting in extra hours trying to figure out how can I merge the two. Well, I actually went to my principal and I and I told her that I had an idea. My idea was to introduce the students who were typically put out the classroom. Um, and the reason why I went that route was because I knew that I had curriculum that I had to teach. Right, so it wasn't really for my students. It was for the students who got kicked out of class and were put in in school suspension. Because, see, when you walk into in-school mm -hmm. suspension, they're not doing anything. So yeah. My thought is that, well, why if they are what we call repeat offenders, right? And, and I know that that's a bad phrase, but if they are in there, then mm -hmm. that means that maybe they have a disconnect with academics. But what if we give them, a, give them a chance to work with their hands? Maybe they're not challenged mm -hmm. enough, which is usually the case. They're not yeah. challenged enough. They're yeah. not challenged enough critically. But if you give them something to work with their hands, they then begin to open up. Relationships are built. They 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 build that that confidence. And mm -hmm. then that person that brought them that challenge, they then love and respect because you believed in me to even introduce me to it. So then mm -hmm. I went to my principal. I told her that I had this great idea. We introduced the students who were in ISS in school suspension to some science, and she said absolutely not. She said no. Wait, wait, okay, that's not the, the answer I was expecting. Exactly, that's not the answer neither one of us expected. So her answer was oh, no, she boy. said, Sherelle, she said, why would I allow you to teach them something that ultimately, that in the end, they're going to enjoy it, but why would I allow you to go to the students that were oh, in she trouble? Okay, well, I, I kind of get that. Well, at first, at first, I didn't. 
at first I didn't, and I was upset. So I went home, right. upset, talked to my husband about it, and he said, you know what, Sherelle, I agree with her. I'm like, what? You don't even know this woman. How dare you? You're supposed to be on my team, you know, my side. Right, and he said, well, right. I kind of agree. And so he kind of talked me through it. I'm like, okay, I understand what you're saying. But hey, I'm a black woman. And how many times are you going to tell a black woman no? Not too many times. So I figured out a way to work around it. I figured out a way to work around it. So what I did instead, we had this time, this in-school intervention period called Power Hour. And so at doing Power Hour, I can teach the students anything I wanted. So guess what it was? It was computer science or coding robotics. So uh, for grant or for equipment, because people say, well, Sherelle, how did you get the equipment that you, that you received? Well, I went back to the principal and I asked her if we had any money in our budget to pay for equipment. And she said, no. She said, did you forget where you worked? I said, well, no, I didn't. But okay. It was worth the ask. So then right. I started writing grants. I started writing grants and I've uh, earned over $350,000 worth of instructional material for my classroom. And that includes computers, spheros, and all those things. And so this is how I embedded coding with the uh, Texas standard that I had to teach. And that's how I kind of intertwined the two. I had to become very creative, but you know, with persistence, it happened. And my students ultimately, yeah. because they were using technology with the science standard, it was like a no brainer because they're digital natives. I would teach them mm. one, two, three concepts. And then they just about knew as much as I did. Because remember that this was something new for me as well. So we were learning together. I wasn't right. the expert. We were just learning together. So when, tell me when was this? When did this first happen? So this happened in 20, 2017. 2017. Okay. Okay. So fast forward to now, 2020. Mm -hmm. So tell mm -hmm. us more about where you are currently with coding with a twist. So now that I'm out of the classroom, so yeah, let's say far out. No, I'm no longer in the classroom. My last day in the classroom was May 7th of 2019. And now I work for the Lunar and Planetary Institute. I work with about 26 scientists to study every object in our solar system. And my job is to present the public with the things that they find. So that's what I do career-wise. Mm -hmm. Now, outside of that, I have Coding with a Twist, as well as On Fire to Inspire Education Consulting, Future Proof, Generational Financial Group. But we're talking about Coding with a Twist. So currently, mm -hmm. I'm hosting virtual workshops. So when a student or a parent register for, my for the workshop, then I will then mail them, send them, all the equipment that they need. And that's what sets coding with the twist apart. Coding with the twist is to introduce the underestimated because we dare not use the word underrepresented. So it's to introduce the underestimated to the world of computer science, robotics, and coding. And what this means is that mm -hmm. a lot of our students are just consumers. I mean, not even students, people, people of color, period, we're consumers, mm -hmm. we're taking in all the information, or we are utilizing products that we didn't create. Mm. So I am then okay. changing that dynamic of it. Our students are watching YouTube videos, hours and hours of YouTube videos, watching another student play a game. Mm -hmm. They're not playing them, they just enjoy watching somebody else play the game, right? But then somebody else had to create the game. And so right. our parents are spending 50 and 60 and $70 on games that our students have the know-how, the potential to create themselves, 
but no one has told them that they can create games. No one mm. has introduced them to, to, to creating things that they use all the time. Nobody has said, you can do that very thing. Let me show you how that's done. So I love, I love the concept of not just being a consumer, but being a creator. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Because I think that is so, I think that's prevalent among people, period. Yes. And, and dare I say, possibly, and I, I don't know the exact step, stats, but I believe it's more prevalent among people of color. Absolutely. We consume exactly. a lot, <laughs> and especially in terms of, you know, and I don't mean just food and like information. We, we information. consume a lot. We, we make up a lot of uh, people on social media and I mean, like you're saying, these games, and but often not really thinking, and this applies to adults as, as well, let alone children, mm-hmm. not thinking, thinking as much that we can create a lot of the stuff that we are consuming. Yes. So I, I love that idea and that you were introducing that idea to these kids, and, and, and in some cases, probably introducing it to their parents as right. well. So, so I'm curious, something you said earlier, you said not to call, you don't call the kids you work with underrepresented. Why underestimated versus underrepresented? Because, uh, well, not underestimated because, because you are stagnant or because you come from the fifth war, because you have a parent that is locked up or because you were raised by your grandmother or because you live, you live next to a house that sells drugs or maybe because someone in your house sells drugs or maybe because you don't look this certain profile that you are then underestimated because we don't think or that I may not assume that you know the things that you may have deep down inside because I'm not even going to take the time out to figure it out because of the way you look because then oftentimes then we're just underestimated see in the environment that I work with see I'm the only chocolate drop in the room and I feel I like I'm underrepresented well excuse me not feel like I'm underrepresented because I feel like I'm underestimated because of the way I look mm-hmm. now because I've been in science for so long I've been in science since, since undergrad but I went to HBCU so I was not underrepresented at all because right. everyone to my left or to my right looked like me. Right. But when I got into the real world and participating in professional development, I look around and I'm still maybe only the chocolate drop in the room. So I'm being underestimated because of the way I look. Yeah. Yeah. But then I have to break that barrier in my head to say, Sherelle, you wouldn't be here if you didn't have what it took. Oh, absolutely. So Absolutely. then I stand four foot eleven dynamite on the inside of me. So I'm underestimated. Please don't underestimate me. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, actually, sometimes I don't mind. I used to think that too. And yeah, sometimes it's annoying when people underestimate you. But I, I don't even worry about it now. And sometimes even it's a benefit because it's like, well, go ahead and underestimate me. You, you. You really don't want to do that, but if, you know, if that's what you prefer to do, if that's sure. what you need to do, that that's fine. Yeah, sure. you're right. I'm I'm not I'm not going to be a problem at all. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know, it, it depends on how you how you look at it. But 
So here's something else I want to know. You know, because you exude confidence, and it, it sounds like no, well, I I get that. That's what we're, we're gonna kind of get into that, and I know certainly, you know, as a kid, at, at least the majority of us go through certain things and dealing with certain things, whether it has mm-hmm. to do with our childhood, whether it has sure. to do with you know different things we we deal with, mm-hmm. but. When was it that you determined that you could do something even like this? And and like and by this I mean really do anything above average, above what be or beyond maybe what you had seen before. Because I, I read an article about you and you know, I, I'm gonna leave it to you to how much you wanna get into, but I know you dealt with a lot, or you have dealt with a lot. I mean, you mm-hmm. mentioned earlier that you were adopted at the age of two, and, you know, that in itself is not necessarily, a, you know, that's not a bad thing, but it yeah. all depends on, depends on the circumstances. Absolutely. And so, yes, I mean, when did you, you first stop and think, you know, maybe there's more to this. Maybe I can do more. I can be more. I, I'm not quite <laughs> average. That's that's actually that's actually a great question. Um, I would say if I had to put it, it was um, different different chapters in my life, and I say different chapters in my life because, as I alluded to earlier, yes, I was adopted, but you know what? In hindsight, it was the best thing mm-hmm. that could have ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. Now, what I want the audience to know and to to, to realize that I actually knew who my biological mother was or mm-hmm. is because she's still living. And we actually talk every day. We actually okay. talk every day. And okay. I actually don't know who my biological father is. And I don't think that she knows either. And I'm okay with that too. Because now I've grown to the point where because I know who I am and who I am, mm-hmm. then I'm no longer looking for a physical father. That mm. the spiritual father mm-hmm. is all that I need. And so there's this song that I used to play in my classroom every day, Sean Mendez. It's called um, In My Blood. And what that song means to me, um, and I actually shared it to my, with my students as well, it means that, you know, even though I have my biological father's blood running through my veins, I know that because now that I'm a child of God, I, I know that he is not mediocre. He does not do things half undone and everything that he touches and everything that he does is thrive and it's living and it bears wonderful fruit and there's abundance of wealth and there's abundance of energy and there's abundance of love. And so that's kind of what I've I've adopted along along my life. But um, I knew that there was something special about me, if you will, if if I can use that. Mm -hmm. It has to be, um, I've really suffered a lot of trauma, as we alluded to, and it wasn't until I got in college. I had this psychology teacher, psychology teacher, and that was the first time I was able to talk about everything that I've been through. Mm -hmm. It's like, Mm -hmm. wow, you know, going through that period, Going through that, you know, that type of, and actually, I had a wonderful child. I did have a wonderful childhood, but there are some some things that 
in my childhood where I visited my mother and my grandmother in the same prison. Okay, in the oh, same boy. prison. Yes, in the same. So there were three generations, three generations of black women in, standing in the same space. And I knew that that wasn't going to be me. I mm. made up in my mind in middle school that I was not going to allow drugs to tear my future family apart like mm -hmm. it had did for me. So mm -hmm. about a couple of years ago, I've adopted hashtag on fire to inspire. So even if you go to Google hashtag on fire to inspire, you're most likely going to come up with posts that I put. So that's the personal mission mm -hmm. statement that I have for my life. So I've always had that mission statement even before then, because I've always been on a mission to not go into that same cycle. So on fire to inspire yeah. is my personal mission statement, but the vision that I have for my life is to break generational curses while fulfilling generational promises. See, I've been also been in church all my life, and so I know that there's some things that God promised me, and those mm. are the things that I'm going after. I heard that. And that's, that's what's kind of kept me along this path. Yeah, I understand that she's probably doing drugs right now as we speak. But mm. those decisions have nothing to do with me. Right. And that's where students or children, the the choices of our parents, they carry a, a heavy burden on us. Yeah. Because we feel like because they're doing that, it's because of us, but it's not. Right. They have right. they make decisions just like we are. So we just have to make the decision to not go along the same path. Yeah. And see, that's, that's what happens ideally. That, that's what you want to happen when you have a situation, especially if, you know, it seems to be a generational thing where, you know, and I, I, have, I have the same thing in my family where the, the mother, no, not my mother, but mothers are on drugs or they have made some other Poor yeah. decisions, mm -hmm. and then the kids come along, and you see them either going down that route, or right. one or two of them already has gone mm -hmm. down that route, and mm -hmm. you know, and it's a little baffling because you, at least someone kind of on the outside looking in, you think, well, my goodness, you see what happened to your mother, or you see what happened to your father. Why? I mean, why? why? But. You know, it happens all the time. And I don't know if, I, I think it's a combination of things. You know, I think at times it's because that kid really does not understand what they're worth and that they do have other options. I, I think some kids, they, they really think, you know, well, I, this is just who I am. That That's who, you know, that's who she, that's what she's doing. That's what he, you know, my father, my mother. You know, so they, they just kind of say whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then in other cases, I, I think there's some kind of weird curiosity. <laughs> it's just like, you know, let, let me just see if I can play around a little, but not go. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of crazy how that happens. But I, I'm really glad you and, I mean, I know others as well who has gotten it who figured out that this is not the way to go. And this is not what I want for my life. This is not what I, I want for my future. And so it, it almost acts then as a catalyst 
for you to be even more driven and more committed to go exactly. the other way. That's where on fire to inspire is because see fire, it can you you have formers, right? You have formers. If you see uh we say we also have a house in Tyler. So as we're traveling from Houston to Tyler and we're passing all of these fields, these former fields and crops and things, sometimes farmers burn down all their crops. You're just like, why mm. would they do that? Mm-hmm. Well, I've heard if, that. Yeah. If you come back, that. if you come back months later, or weeks later, or a month later, see the crops are then greener. They're more prosperous. There's an abundance of whatever they burned down even before that happened. So I think that is definitely yeah. a refining process. We talk about diamonds and the pressure, the magnitude of pressure right. that diamonds go through and the more pressure that they're in, the more clarity you have. Once that diamond mm. has been being pulled back and mined and yep. you know, been through its process, it's a little it's a little clearer. It has more clarity. So with On Fire to Inspire, it's all of those things. No, yeah. I did not want to be like her. No. And yes, I made a vow to myself in middle school. I would never do drugs. Even when it was approaching me, I, I never would put myself in those situations because I didn't want to have to choose. I shouldn't have to choose. I mm-hmm. already knew the end result of it. Right. And then right. also, we can talk about how being adopted, you also want to tend to be a people pleaser. You mm. tend to want to be a people pleaser because you know what it felt like when nobody wanted you. Mm. So then mm-hmm. you go on this spell of saying yes to everything. Yes, yes, I can do that. Yes, I have time for that. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. And then you're stretching yourself too thin only because you didn't want to say no. Mm. Okay, I I hope I really hope y'all got that. You may have to rewind and, and make sure you get that because that's that is major. That could be a whole other yes. conversation, a whole yes, other episode yes, about being a people pleaser and not knowing when to say no. So, oh oh my goodness. Okay, okay. So talk to me a little, Sherelle, and as as we we get ready to wrap up, this this is, mm-hmm. this is really good. How have you, and let me also speak in the present tense because maybe it's it's still an issue, mm-hmm. how have you dealt with kind of getting in your own way? Because what you shared, I mean, you have been able to overcome a lot. You, you again, you know, you're, you're confident, you, you are definitely making a major impact, but there are always obstacles <laughs> usually along a journey like that. Mm-hmm. And so whether we're talking in the past, whether we're talking even now, how do you deal with self-sabotage or, or kind of getting in your own way in terms of, of success? Well, you know what? I, what comes to mind is questioning myself if I'm qualified. Questioning mm-hmm. myself if I'm qualified. You know, it's just like, Mm-hmm. Am I qualified to do this? Like, who am I? Who am I that mm-hmm. people want to hear from? You know, and that's why I started with my story because I want everyone to know that this is not, okay, I've reached the top. I'm still in this work, right? So it's me questioning myself, am I qualified to speak to a group of young people? 
Am I qualified to do to to be um, as an education specialist with the Lunar and Planetary Institute? Am I qualified to be in this room with that brilliant brilliant is is brilliance is all around me? But then I then of course I pray. You know I'm I'm praying to God that alleviate those negative thoughts, and I have prayer mm-hmm. and meditation every morning. You know just to reaffirm myself, Sherelle, Hey, you got this. You know, you're being an expert in the room. So even if people, even when family, even when family don't support you, keep pushing forward. You have a legacy. You have a legacy leave behind. I'm a wife and a mother, a mother of two. And they're watching everything that I do. And that's important to me that they know where I came from, what I had to deal with, and and being open. Right. Being open about what I've gone through and the process, you know, I often talk to um, other young couples about, you know, their finances. Mm-hmm. And I understand that 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 will be under the top two things, right, for divorce, right? It's going oh, to be yeah. finances. And anytime, yeah. and, I, and I talk about, you know, if you guys are talking about money and it always tends to lead to an argument, then you're you are not financially well. Your financial wellness needs a check. Just like your body needs a yep. physical, you know, check, your your finances need a, a physical check. So um, I talk to them about when dad, when they see me and dad having a disagreement, and oftentimes I talk to this about my students as well, you know, when you're seeing somebody argue, but also allow them to see you make up, right? Talking through processing that mm-hmm. because the students that I serve or I saw in my daughter she gets mad so quick that she just wants to start hitting my son which he's older than her so I didn't understand why the little sister <laughs> beating up the big brother but you know, it's the happy right she's spicy but mm-hmm. what I want them to learn is that dad and I are going to have disagreements why because we have different views on things mm-hmm. but they also need to see the process of making up and that's where we're failing to show them. We're just getting mad, cussing, and then leaving. Instead of mm-hmm. allowing them to see how is it that you make up. Then the next thing they see, you guys are talking again. But see, you left out something. You showed them you showed them you arguing, and then you showed them you make up. But what about in between? They don't know how to process that. Wow. Okay. All right. So... We we could we could go on and on. Yes, we could. Uh, <laughs> but let's let's move to wrap up. Uh, this this has really really been awesome. And of course, we have talked more about what you're doing with coding with a twist, which you know is is amazing work and working with these kids and getting them more involved and, and more passionate yes, about coding. But you also, and as you mentioned briefly in the beginning, you have some other ventures. And so just tell us briefly about your other ventures and how people can find out more. Awesome. So my other venture is on Fire to Inspire uh, Education Consultant LLC. And basically that's to show or teach informal and former teachers how to create cultural relevant lessons for their children of color. Okay. And okay. I do that. Uh, I have a contract currently now with University of Houston Clear Lake where I uh, facilitate professional development. As a matter of fact, I hosted a workshop 
for Kip just this past uh, Friday. Uh, it was hashtag Teacher Tech Smackdown, where I was showing them how to implement <laughs> technology in their classroom through Teacher Smackdown challenges. And it was an overwhelming okay. amount of positive feedback, and I thrive on feedback because I know that I'm a lifelong learner. And anything that right. someone suggests, I can definitely implement that and make changes. And so I'm, I'm definitely not um, perfect at all, but I seek feedback because I always want to make sure that I'm being the better version of myself. Absolutely. The other business that I have is Generational Wealth Financial Group. And there I want to specialize in our community, teaching and, and teaching and educating ourselves about financial literacy, you know, making sure that we're leaving wills behind instead of bills and clothes, mm -hmm. um, having our young people to have a firm financial financial foundation with investments and mutual funds. When my daughter turned seven, her birthday was in, in May. When she turned seven, I asked the family to not buy her gifts. I mean, if they wanted to buy her gifts, but I asked them, could you contribute to her mutual funds? So mm -hmm. seven, so Jordan turned seven and she now has seven Fortune 500 shares in those companies. And she's mm, okay. only seven years old. And so I, like I ask it. that they contribute to her mutual fund instead of buying her toys. And if they wanted to, they could. But if they were yeah. going to give her a monetary gift, then invest in her instead. And so my son and her both have um, mutual fund accounts that I'm very proud of. And it investments accounts where they may not want to um, go to college when they get a certain age, but yeah. it's for anything, anything they will go into. So if they want to be entrepreneurs, then I'm allowing them to, to go in, to go that route as well. But saving, you know, not being a selfish parent and investing in your kids early, all that money that you're, you're wasting with these extravagant, you know, birthday parties. And I'm not knocking anyone that does, yeah. but just yeah. think long term. You know, yep. let's think long term. And so um, we, there are so many people, so many parents that are going broke. They're going broke for their kids. And, you know, they, they highlight that often. They will go broke for their your kids. But will you go wealthy? Will you go wealthy for your children? <laughs> and that's the question that I want okay, to ask. Okay, Sherelle, now wait a minute. You you got to repeat that one. No, I, yeah. I wasn't even, I wasn't ready for that one. You, you, you said a lot Let of people. Let me say it again for Let the people. Say that again, girl. So a lot, of, mm. a lot of people, a lot of young people that I'm coming in contact with, young and old, you know, we are spending all this money on proms and, you know, birthday parties and all these other different things. And that's all fine and dandy. You know, we will go broke for our children. But will mm. you go wealthy for your child? Will you go wealthy? Now, that's a question that you mm -hmm. need to ask. See, I'm on track right now to retire when I'm 50. I just had a birthday not too long ago. I'm 33 years old, and I am on track. I did not say that I would like to retire when I'm 50. I right. said that I am going to retire when I'm 50 years old. Now, how mm -hmm. many people can actually say that confidently? And when I, in the, and then I told I mean, you how I came up, you know, so it, it was a mindset. It's a mindset change. Yeah. And if whoever's listening to this call right now, if you're listening to this call and you want to go wealthy for your family and not broke from your family, please get in touch with me soon. I want to show you how to organize your finances so you too can retire well before the state of Texas or United States say that you can retire or eligible to retire. Do right. not allow them to determine your destiny. I I agree. Yeah, that that is pretty powerful. 
I, I have not heard it put that way before, and I, I don't know for sure if I share with you and we talked before, you know I have a background in financial services, so I'm, I'm all over uh, what you were saying there, but that is very true uh, with parents and how you say a lot of times parents are, are kind of proudly saying all that they do for their kids, especially yes. financially, mm-hmm. but often it's not the right things or it's not the things that can make the biggest difference and that can last. It's not, you know, and I, I agree. Some of it is, I guess, being judgmental. Now I will admit, I I have no problem admitting I am a judgmental person. (laughs) I mean, I I do. I I always point out, you know, because people always like, you know, the Bible says judge, judge not lest ye be judged. And I'm like, well, that's just it. That's what a lot of people don't realize the second part of it. It says judge not lest you be judged. Mm -hmm. So I'm okay with being judged too. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm like, you you can judge me as well. I'm not not saying, (laughs) I'm not saying that, you know, that's just a good thing to be judgmental. I have, I have made progress, certainly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some of, some of this is it, probably a little judgy, if you will, but I agree that so many people, you know, spend a lot of money on their kids, mm-hmm. and but it's on crap, frankly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. these, you know, just like you're saying, these, extra, and I, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with showing your kids love yeah, and, and giving right. them, you know, experiences you didn't have, but sometimes you need to even make sure that they want to have the experience you're giving them. Right. Some kids don't want the big birthday party. Mm-hmm. Every every kid doesn't want the new Nikes. I mean, surprisingly enough, mm-hmm. it's like, are you even talking to them to see what they really want? So, right. yeah, in terms of money. For the parent and not for the kid. It's to show. It's just to show the world how good of a parent you are, but you're doing more harm than yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now, y'all, Sherelle said that, and I didn't say that part. I said it. She said that. Okay. <laughs> so, we, yeah, we're going to have to have you, have you back on, Missy. <laughs> so, you guys can tell that this is, this is someone who's multifaceted. And what I, I really like and what I hope you're, you guys are also hearing is she is involved in two or three things, but these things happened organically. They, they were not forced. Then they, they happened out of her passion and her um, uh, already having some experience in these areas. I mean, obviously she was a teacher, and so now she has a business servicing teachers. That, that makes sense. That's a natural transition. She, she has, a, uh, you know, the initiative with coding and helping kids code. That fits into, and her being a science teacher and the science background. So it, it, it all, you know, goes, kind of goes together. And it just goes to show you or remind, hopefully remind some of you, that the things that you may take for granted, that you Absolutely. enjoy doing, that you may have a gift at doing, um, that you may discount because it even comes easy for you. And so you tend to think, well, that's no big deal. Or you, you, you put just in front oh of it. Goodness. Like okay. I point out to, yeah. 
point out to a number of people, oh, I'm just a so-and-so, I'm just no. this, I'm just that, and be careful in doing that because what that just could be powerful. That just could be your key to yeah. early retirement, mm-hmm. <laughs> key to a six, seven, eight-plus-figure business. Oh, I'm just saying. I, I'm I'm just saying. So that that all ties into what Project Get Out Your Own Way is all about. It's it's stepping up and standing out yeah. and getting out of your own way in doing that. So, Sheryl, this has been wonderful. Before we go, just share with everyone how they can connect with you. The best way to connect with you, uh, your social media platforms, what have you. Awesome. So I am on Facebook, and that's Sherelle Webb, S-H-A-R-E-L-L-W-E-B-B. And I'm also on Twitter, Sherelle underscore Martin. I have my Twitter account before you put a ring on it. So it is Sherelle <laughs> underscore Martin. And I, you know what? I just want to, I want to leave behind the lasting word or the lasting phrase. I want to create something that our scholars can't be fired from. And that's the ultimate goal being able to create something that they can't be fired from. I love it. Okay. All right. I, I, I get it. I get it. So you guys, once again, we, we've had a, a wonderful time. I know you've gotten some value out of today. And so by all means, if you have not already done so, I invite you, I encourage you to subscribe. I also invite you to write a review. Reviews do matter. You can write a review in multiple places, but really I prefer for you to write a review on Apple. That's where most of our our listeners hang out. And so please uh, write a review there. And don't keep this off yourself. I often say that. Tell your friend, tell your mother, tell your significant other, tell a mentor, tell a mentee, tell someone who wants to be free. Yes, you heard that right. And yes, I have bars. See, some of y'all didn't know that. Now you know. So until the next time, this has been Rachel Wilson Thibodeau along with Sherelle Webb. Take care and take some action.